Welcome to episode 116 of The Real Photo Show. My guest is Tamara Torres, and my guest co-host is Ryan Casey, who you might recognize from a previous episode. Ryan was there because we were putting together a show about trauma and grief in Trenton at the JKC Gallery, and Tamara Torres is a part of that show. And that show ended up being moved to sometime near the end of this year for obvious reasons. In fact, this episode was recorded, I think, just a day or two before the pandemic shut down. And so we even mentioned that at the end of the show that we don't really know what's going to happen in the next few days. But anyway, uh, Ryan comes into the show about halfway through. So let me just do a, a brief introduction. Tamara Torres is an Afro-Latina feminist artist and community activist based in Trenton, New Jersey. And we record this in Trenton Hall, where the gallery is located, with guest co-host Ryan Casey just before the pandemic shut down. Uh, Tamara, Ryan, and I talk a lot about who art belongs to and the class and race structure that's embedded in the art world, including the academic art world. We also talk about the function of art as a form of expression to deal with injustice, trauma, and grief. Tamara survived obstacles such as homelessness, abuse, and discrimination. Her artwork has taken up the cause of social justice for abused, disadvantaged, and disenfranchised women around the globe. Tamara's work has been exhibited in London, Edinburgh, Rome, Milan, Chicago, New York, and all throughout New Jersey. And maybe uh, I should give just a mild trigger warning. We don't talk really about the specifics of Tamara's abuse. We do talk a little bit about her father's substance abuse. And we do talk a lot about Tamara recovering from what she faced as a child growing up. So just like my other pre-pandemic guest uh, shows, I'm going to start the show with a call from Tamara just to catch up to see how she's been doing and what she's been doing during the pandemic shutdown. But now, of course, also during the Black Lives Matter protests and marches and everything that's been set off by the recent murders of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor. Say their names. Okay, here's my call with Tamara Torres. Hi, Tamara. Thanks for calling in and uh, doing this catch-up with me. Hi, how are you? Uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> as all right as, as we can all be right now. Uh, when we spoke, uh, we recorded, it was just I, probably like a day or two before we shut down. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. It was at the gallery at the Trenton Hall building where the JKC Gallery is. And, we, you know, we talked about a, a lot of great things. And at the very end, we actually kind of joke a little like, well, we don't know where we're going to be uh, next week because you and Ryan Casey were planning a show about trauma. Right. That show about trauma. And and I don't I honestly there's so much that's happened between now and them that I don't remember if, if we even spoke about COVID-19 or anything like that. I just remember saying, we'll see what happens. And then two days later, everyone's in their house, like something like that. That was it. <laughs> like shut down. So that's yeah. exactly how it happened. Yeah, yeah. We just uh, we said something, like I said, to the effect of, uh, "Well, you know, we'll see if anything's going to happen after this, and we don't know." And and that was it. Yeah. Uh, but even since then, now more things have happened. More things have changed. In fact, at the near the end of the episode, I think you say, "I'm going to take a little break from community organizing." <laughs> I knew you would get a kick out of that. Oh my god! <laughs> because you have been quite busy. Yes. Of course. Tell us a little bit about what you've been doing. And the last thing I saw was that you were organizing cleanup crews 
after the some of the protests uh, turned a little violent. Right. So, well, it, it feels like um, what happened was, you know, when the looting happened, um, I was talking to Sam Keenan on the phone and Sam was like, you know, we got to do something. Maybe we should get people together. And we already didn't know what to expect. We saw what was happening in videos. So I did. I just I went on Facebook and I I privately messaged a couple leaders and um, activists, community organizers and just artists and say and said, like, literally, you know, can you meet our artworks at eight o'clock in the morning? Bring bring gloves, your mask and a, and a garbage bag. Like I wasn't even like I didn't have no supplies. It was, nothing was planned. And, you know, it was again me and Sam's conversation. I said, I'll send the message out. So yeah. and and then. We did. We got like in the parking lot. We got like about twenty five people that came. But then as we walked over downtown, it was like almost like forty people from wow. what I've heard. And they all had like big brooms and garbage bags and all these things, supplies. Like they were ready to go. Wow. And and then we found out that trying cleaned up everything like three in the morning. <laughs> so we did. There was some glass and and stuff that was around. So people kind of cleaned that up. Um, we. So we, we ended up like um, some people got into cars and drove around the city to see what other areas um, we just kind of dispersed. Uh, we helped a business put their boards up because they needed help with that. And then as we were all sitting in the parking lot um, talking like where who was going to go where, uh, Griffin, um, and I want to say his last name is Sullivan. I'm not sure, but he talked about, we should do a GoFund. Like I want to help. There's people that want to help. How can we help these businesses? So Griffin came up with the idea. And so Jesse from Artworks and a few other art people drove around and started writing the business names that they saw visually saw that got impacted. Mm. And now with, I am Trenton, now we've like collected it's it's like we said seventy five hundred. We're like at six thousand or something like that. So a lot we a lot of people just donated. Community donated. Yeah, and I donated. now we're just like yeah. um, trying to kind of organize it to give it to the businesses that need it. But all of that happens with just like a five minute conversation or just of unity of like wanting to do something out of love and out of for the city without making it political or anything. It just happens so wonderful like that, you know? So that's that's one thing mm-hmm. that I've been involved in. And also there has been some, a couple like, you know, shootings and just recently a young girl got shot in her stomach. Uh. So, right, that was in the papers and all that. Um, so right now we're I'm helping collect stuff for her, for her family, um, working with Crystal, who is a parent liaison at Rivera Middle School. Hmm. Uh, she, she's dealing with the family so i'm basically getting all these things that they might need like clothes toys stuff like that and then giving it to crystal and like the amount of the community the support of them even donating things has been like incredible so i'm just saying like thank you so much for that because i wasn't going to bring up that at all of what I, what I've been doing, but it's just like a way for me to say thank you if they didn't hear it, if they don't hear it later from me. Um, it makes me emotional. It makes me like really emotional how I could tell Trent can come together and yeah. and help each other. Yeah. So the the small business emergency fund you were talking about is is at mm-hmm. it's all one word. I am Trenton dot org. Uh, yeah, it's I also on trying. Facebook. You click and mm-hmm. and that's how I I saw it through your post. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. And then. 
for uh, did you uh, this this girl who got shot did, did is there a like a GoFundMe or something like that, or it's just been local collection? Right. So it's so what I did privately once again because I didn't want to put the family's business out there. I didn't mm-hmm. know if it would get political or whatever. So I messaged again community organizers that I knew deal with other people, communities, and like artists and stuff, and say, hey, this is what I'm looking for: clothing, toys, board games, and they just kind of shared it among themselves, and then they they came back. And so next week on. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, I'll be collecting for that family. And then Friday, I'll be taking it to her. Oh, okay. It's not like something that's like kind of public. It's just something that I started. But I I wanted to mention it just so I can say thank you to yeah. every single person who's like helped me with this and and shared it in their page and then collectively did something their own, you know, kind of like a ripple effect from this. It's like, if only we can do this for everything, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> That's right. If it wasn't just crisis, uh, if it mode, wasn't right? just crisis, yeah. yeah. And there are some great organizations. We talk. We actually talk a lot about organizations when we we were talking, and how there are right. good ones and some that kind of um, exist exist through crisis. You know, I I think you said something to the effect that um, if crisis didn't exist, these organizations wouldn't get their money, and and that right. create, that can create a, a the wrong incentive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are some good ones. I, I'm a big fan of Trenton Area Soup Kitchen Task. Yeah, um, they do amazing work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 Women's Space does great work yeah, there too. Yeah, Women's Space does really great work too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They are there. There's a lot of really wonderful nonprofits, and and maybe when I was talking before, I was a little hot headed, and I was thinking like maybe. Uh, now, because the world is in crisis, you can kind of see how much work those yes. nonprofits do, right? Right, so, right. I take my statement back. I take it back. <laughs> well, I think it was a Whatever fair I statement. Said, I take it back. We didn't name anyone, you know. No, we didn't. We didn't name it. It's a fair statement. It's it, yeah. it. It speaks to the the larger issue that organizations are needed because uh, priorities are not right in this country. They're, right. Right. We re, we rely on. We rely on smaller organizations. We rely on community organizations uh, because the larger organizations, our state governments, our our federal governments, don't do all the things Mm -hmm. they should be doing, right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you probably see it more now than ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and even with the business loans, with the COVID, I mean, the small emergency business loans they gave to, like, bigger corporations, which is bizarre you know it's right. just, it's, it's like almost everyone's out here on on a survival like each everyone for each own you know except for smaller communities which which is why trenton has been doing sort of an amazing job in that way right now because everyone does not want to suffer anymore when the looting happened i think i was i was really like sad by it like hurt yeah because just because there's so many organizations there are that worked really hard to do great things in Trenton. And that, um, that march and, and that rally during the day was so good. It, it was, was so peaceful, good. right? Yeah. But, but um, I don't mean just peaceful. I mean, I think it was just, it was inspiring. Yeah, right? it was, yeah. It was. It was. It was unity. Yeah. You know, it was, yeah, it was. It was unity. But also, just the fact that that happened, it's like all the people that worked really hard to create these wonderful events and these wonderful things in the city. It just one thing like that just like brings it back. Like that's yeah. all people think of trying to see everybody come out the next day 
to clean up a mess it was like mm-hmm. unbelievable like they're just they were just like no questions asked we're, 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 we were all ready to like throw down yeah and i think even people who worked in the city might have been like oh <laughs> could have left a few things for you guys <laughs> i'm sure <laughs> we were ready well, we were hey like, give uh, let's hand it to trenton for for getting on that too right for yeah. the cleanup oh um, yeah 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 and you know the peace is is comfortable for people and justice is not and you know i understand some of the the outbursts and some of the rage right right um, yeah um you just hope that um everything just doesn't get painted with that picture right mm. everything isn't yeah. ju- it, you know because it, there's a john edwin mason just published an article for national geographic about the iconography right what will be you know the, everybody everybody when you think of the depression you think of dorothy lang and the migrant mother photo and you know it's it's the idea if are is the photo from black lives matter and the protests and the marches from this era is it going to be something violent and a trope that might be racist an image that might be racist you know what will the images be that we remember from this time what would the images be or and even with with the black matters movement the covid-19 and like everything else that's been happening this year it's been like a roller coaster right yeah. so it's been good because it's also been very awakening and i hope those images are more like in that go down in history how we just kind of woke up everyone just kind of like opened their eyes to see like what was happening for so so long and mm-hmm. and now it's it's like we can't now there has to be some some laws put in place and some things that are some action behind it you know so Policy. i think that's yeah. that's if anything that's what i think 2020 is going to be about yeah. like you know i mean it is it is really kind of nice to see uh the police kneeling with people and the police mm-hmm. marching with people but it's it only matters if it leads to policy changes exactly exactly and yeah. it, it not and it, it doesn't it matters if it leads to policy changes and it's not just some sort of like um just some press thing to show yeah, like just for them PR, to just be like right. look look at me so like that it could be over so i hope there is yeah. some real policy changes in in what's happening now yeah absolutely Ooh. Well, I hope you're staying safe as much as you can. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I do want to give a shout out to Leon who put our, he kind of reached out to artists and stuff like that to start painting some of the wood panels. Leon Rainbow? Yeah. And well, so yeah, you you mentioned a couple people. So Leon Rainbow, absolutely. One of the the great uh, mural mural artists. And there's also, you mentioned Sam Koenig, who I also love. Sam is such a great community artist activist for Trenton. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah, he is. So we'll be tomorrow. I'll be down there painting on Tony's at Tony's bar. It was one of the businesses. Tony was very excited. And I think a lot of the businesses are, they're just like, it was a really great idea for Leon. And I, like I told him on the phone, um, we were all just kind of sitting around like, what do we do? And him just picking up paint and naturally like, just like painting and say, come and make your city beautiful. Cause that's what we do. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it was, it was really inspiring for us as well here in the city, like the Trenton artists in the city. So, oh, yeah. um, yeah, big shout out to him and hmm. everybody who's really out there doing stuff. And I'm not talking about nonprofits. I'm talking about community organizers and activists who kind of do things silently and quietly and just like push. They're, they're, we've all been incredibly busy 
I want to also say thank you to Yana for I am trying oh, for yeah. helping us gather this way to fund the businesses. Yeah. She's been, she's an amazing person too. Yeah. Yeah. I am Trenton.org. You can give. Yep. And thank you for <laughs> sharing this information, right? Oh no, believe <laughs> me. I, for... I wanted to, you know, I, when I, when I heard about the rally, uh, you know, I saw some of my students posting about it. I saw some of the artists posting about it and you, and, you know, I, I thought, God, that, you know, literally the least I could do is, is come down and join that. You know, yeah. I, I don't live close to Trenton and I, I, you know, we talk about me also being a bit of an outsider, uh, yeah. but, um, boy, it felt really good to be there with everyone. Yeah. Yeah. That's really wonderful. And I, you know, I, I wonder to the photographers in the city to how, how did they do? And, and I've been thinking about that with photographers, like how do you capture these, these moments and stuff now um, from the beginning of yeah. since all this started, like what everyone's, because people use their phone a lot, right. For pictures, yeah. but photography is different when it comes with the camera, when it comes to like certain things. So I've been curious and I'm, I'm hoping that there's some, exhibition or something at the end of all this I'm like i would love to see absolutely different th angles of different people in different areas of I, what they captured i mean i'm sure i'm, I'm sure i'm gonna have something at the jkc gallery but i'm sure i'm not the only one you know yeah um we have the the bsb gallery and yeah. artworks and i'm sure uh, and the uh, roebling lofts gallery i'm sure we're all gonna have work yeah. uh from yeah. this time uh, and I, I can also give a shout out to Edwin Torres and Habib Suab oh, and yeah, my student yeah, Alessandra Rivera. They've all been out there photographing. Tim Tim Dill, he's been out there photographing. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. students of mine. So, yeah. I'm so happy I know all these people. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> like the, I can say, like, oh yeah. The, the community is 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 tight and and everybody knows each other, but it's also getting bigger, which I think is great. Yes, the community yes. is getting bigger. Yeah. Yeah, we are. Yep. And it's, it's good. It's good to have good teams put things together. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks. And, you know, for all you're yeah. doing. Oh, thank you. Thank you for letting me share. <laughs> yes. All right. So it was good talking to you. And and let's start the show. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs> hey, everyone. My name is Tamara Torres. I am a artist from Trenton, New Jersey. Work focuses on social issues and feminism. different ways <laughs> a long time ago yeah. we don't have to state the the, <laughs> the year or the age oh no 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 i wasn't going to do that but but you gave a, a talk at the college at mercer county community college yes. uh this the same was it the same day as the reception or one day away from the reception of the show so these two things happen separately um a psychology instructor professor invited you to speak about your life, your experience, and feminism. Yes, Sophie invited me to come out. Um, unfortunately, I cannot remember Sophie's last name right now, but I'll, she... I'll, th I'll look it up and... Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> giving a shout out to Sophie for yeah. inviting me. So she asked me to come and and kind of do a talk on, on my work on feminism and and kind of what I do in general. It's, well, it's like, a, it was a while back, wasn't it? And, yeah. and then at, at the same time, 
I had the opening that was here at JKC. Yeah. Um, and, Photo gallery. And we did not coordinate that. It no, just so happened. No, it just happened to be back to back, which worked out really great. It really did. Yeah. And and the work you showed at the gallery was La Feminista. Yes, it was La Feminista. And it was a series on on women who were feminists from different races and um, different backgrounds who have the same kind of message and idea of what feminism is. And in the talk, you, you discuss your life and, in, and when you were talking about your work too at mm-hmm. the gallery, I know you're open to that, to just to talking about your life and how it influences your work and, yeah. and, and the work that you make. Would you mind talking a little bit about that now? Sure. So art is completely, it's like this powerful platform that's maybe overlooked a lot. I like to think, you know, and maybe somebody's going to be like, no, that's not true. You know, it's not overlooked. But in urban areas, I think people tend to focus on important issues like mental and help and that sort of thing. I get it. I completely understand that it's more important to get um, mental services or get, you know, food resources, clothes, you know, I understand or help with the rent, PSE&G bill. But Art has definitely, it needs to be implemented in these areas that suffer because they, they are, they're like, it's like a way for you to, to be able to like to blossom and grow and and see that there's a whole other world out there. So for me personally, um, I didn't get my first camera to about like 11, 12. I always change the years because it was around that moment in my life. Yeah. And it was from someone who was our industries and, uh, he wanted me to photograph him, and so he gave me a 35-millimeter Pentax, and he said, you photograph me, and I'll buy the film. Either he saw a child that was completely bored out of their mind and mm-hmm. probably saw that they were going to go on this weird, bad path and decided to help, or he honestly just wanted photographs taken of himself. <laughs> Regardless, when I got a hold of that camera, it was like I got to see from a whole different view. I got to see things for the first time. It was completely overwhelming for me as a, as a kid. And I photographed so much that he got to the point where he's like, you know what? I'm not going to get you no more film because film is expensive. Mm. So I will break the camera, you fix it, and then I'll go ahead and like get you film. And when you tell that to a child who's completely bored and who's constantly in the street and has like no, no other thing to do, I was fixing that camera. So... I like to always start with that because art saved my life in that way. And I like to think that it has the power to do that with many, many like students or many kids now in an area that are growing up with trauma in their life. Yeah. And you were sort of out on your own mm-hmm. a lot, right? Yeah. Because of your family life. Yeah. My, you know, it's, it's kind of strange because I feel like every time I speak on my family, mm-hmm. uh, my upbringing, I... I almost feel like I, I have like a, this imaginary finger just waving at me like, don't do it, you know, because it's kind of giving this bad stigma to them. Um, but it was reality. My mm. father was an alcoholic and that's a, like a reality. And a lot of, you know, a lot of kids have parents who are alcoholic. And when you're an alcoholic and you have a lot of mental depression and that sort of thing happening in your life, you you feed off that. So he would, yeah, he would sometimes lock the door and forget he had kids or he would just, you know, say he was going to the corner store and not come back for, I don't know, days, you know. And me and my brother, we just, we had to figure it out. We had to, like, get it together and and survive. And that's kind of, like, what we, like, what we just were accustomed to. And a lot of people who deal with trauma, whether they're adults or young, 
that's what they're doing, trying to survive every day. That's just the simple nature of it. Yeah. Did you grow up in Trenton? I was born and raised in Trenton. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know you just mentioned that you know you understand you need services, you need uh, programs, and and art is isn't necessarily at the top of that list. Right. And I think that's been. <clears throat> That has been a um, you know a question for Trenton, especially in the last ten years, about right art and services yeah. and what does art provide. Yeah, that's like a big that's a big problem here. Even creating programming for for people who are interested in in like building art programs here or like photography programs or anything with that, it's it's like pulling a teeth. It's like pulling mm-hmm. teeth just to try to get that for anybody out here to do it and and what happens and you know yeah i'm gonna get in trouble by saying this but a lot of nonprofits here i feel all want to be the person who saves trenton yeah. and cannot work together and that is constantly a thing here and you know i can say this because i was born and raised here and i seen people like revolving doors come through the cities claiming they're going to save the city and they just like walk right back out and there's a new group of people that come in I see it all the time. That's for political talk, and that's another show, right? So no, no, I, but I think that's I think that's really important, and also it it explains a lot of things. It explains why sometimes it's hard to figure out how to navigate something mm-hmm. here. You know, I and I I go through that with the gallery, like who, you know, who do I reach out to? Who mm-hmm. also there's a. Um, a kind of insular feeling, like like I don't live here. I didn't grow mm-hmm. up here. I came over from the West Windsor campus. I live in another place yeah. in New Jersey, and I, I, you know, I much very much am an outsider in that yeah. way, and I understand that, and I I understand yeah. my relationship in that way, and and then you know, I have to walk this line where I want I want to make sure I represent people who live here, mm-hmm. right? Who've put in the work to be here and make Trenton a better place. I also. Yeah want the gallery to be a place where other people from all over want to show, right? right? And so exactly. that, that's a real balance. Yeah. You know, I don't want to come in and say, uh, well, it's just going to be people from Brooklyn and mm-hmm. Philadelphia, right? Yeah. 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 But I mean, you're also coming, even from people that come in from outside to try to do things in here is important. You know, you're, you're actually trying to better the city, which is like really important. And the community needs to know that you're here, needs to know that gallery is here, needs to come and visit it. That's you know, really that's hard. really important. <laughs> yeah. And that's like so difficult to like navigate as well. So I think when people suffer from a desperation of like trying to survive, the last thing they're thinking about is art. Like the last thing they're thinking about is picking up a camera and taking photographs or and I understand because I'm a parent. So if I was in that position my biggest thing would be how am I going to feed you? Where are you going to sleep tonight? And I'm not thinking like, oh, they don't have a coloring set, you know? Yeah. But what I do want to say is that there is this stigma, and I'm not sure if that's the right word, but there's just this thing with art and and even abstract artists or um, real successful artists that that whole world only belongs to white people and not anybody else only to the privilege that they can sell art for millions of dollars or that they can show at the MoMA and do all these things and not for anybody else and that's where we have to stop we have to change that that yeah. because that's not true and incorporating art programming and, and kind of getting people involved in that and yeah you know Maybe it doesn't save everyone's life, you know, like I always claim it saved my life, but it certainly got me from a point of just being born and raised in Trent to being able to exhibit in London and in Italy and Edinburgh and um, New York and different places and actually travel to these places to see it. 
see my work hanging on the wall, see the culture, see the community, see the people, the history. And if you would have told that to 12-year-old Tamara, who had a little camera, who was out in the street seeing all types of messes, who didn't know what was going to happen next, whether everything was going to be okay or not, I would have probably fought you. We would have gotten into a fight mm -hmm. because I would have thought you were making fun of me for right. trying to be playing with this camera. And yeah, it's not easy overstepping that kind of trauma or even passing anything that happens to you is really not an easy task, you know? But man, when you do it, when you let go and you move forward, what happens after that is, is unbelievable. You can never go back, hmm. you know? And that's kind of what I try to even talk with my art or teach with my art or anything that has to do with my art because uh, I can't take it with me and I can't take the money with me and I can't take the fact whether or not uh, my art was being the MoMA, but my kids already know. Mm -hmm. Like when I die, they'll just throw it in the, on the floor and then walk out. <laughs> so either way, it'll be in there. Right. But I can't take that with me when I'm gone but I can certainly pass the message and leave behind how important art is as a tool to get better from trauma and life and just move forward. Yeah, and then, you know, on your end, you're, you're an artist in Trenton, an artist based in Trenton. It doesn't mean you're just a, tr and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but the way people might perceive it, you're just a Trenton artist, right? Yeah, and you get that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get that all the time. It feels like it's really interesting because... It's like if you're here, she's like, oh, you're just a Trenton artist. But even if I say to them or show them proof, like, look, I'm, I've exhibited in London. Like, look, look at me there. Look, at I have actual pictures or footage or video. They would just still nod their head. But like if I were to move to Hamilton Township, That's even right. like right up the street or Princeton, they're like, wow, you're an international artist. Yeah. And it's like, why? <laughs> what is, why, why is this happening? I I see that so much with a lot of my artist friends or just, I don't even know if they experienced it, but I know I have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I've heard that from other artists I've shown in the gallery too. It's like, you know, it's not, I just don't do work in Trenton, right? right. It's not just work from Trenton, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 So let's talk about that a little bit. You have mm -hmm. shown all over London, Edinburgh, Rome, Milan, New York, mm -hmm. New Jersey. It feels like a lot, but I, <laughs> yeah. just, I don't even remember. Like I know it's, I've traveled to these places mm -hmm. and my gosh, got to see it. But I honestly is um, it's almost like a like a roller coaster. You just keep going and going and going and going and and not really feeling all the emotions of it because you just think someone's gonna take it away from you. So yeah. it's kind of like I think the last, the first time I felt anything that I was like, oh my god, you were homeless as a kid. You were, you know sexually abused you were mentally abused and and here you are as an edinburgh sitting while i was watching scottish people walk by and they were just in this don't whole different it was like a whole different world and i was just sitting there on a stoop looking and i just started to cry and i was like how did you even do this like who does this who comes from what i what you were born as a this uh, statistic you're supposed to become and then get to this level of, you know, amazingness. Like, how does that even happen? And, I mean, I just sat there and cried and and I just, I don't even know. I still think about that moment and it was really life-changing mm -hmm. for well, me. Well, what do you think? What do you think it is that you've been able to do to to sort of break out? So, at some point when I was younger, 
me and my brother would go to get free lunches at like the library. They used to have that in Trinidad, by the way. They used to have these like vans that would give out free lunches or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, summer programs, I guess, or whenever. But I think I remember the library did do that, or we went somewhere and got it and then went to the library. I was really young, but hmm. I ended up going into um, one of the, the art books and I saw Frida Kahlo's paintings. And I thought, my gosh, she's really nuts. I love it. Like, I want to be like her, you know, and without even realizing it, because I haven't picked up a camera as of yet or anything. But I remember seeing that and thinking, um, how did how did this woman get into these books? You know, so that was absolutely the first thing I, I thought about. I think it was kind of like implemented in my head, like I need to be like this person. People tend to ask me all the time, like, how do you break that? past that bubble and I really I like to tell people all the time there's a huge world and Triton is just like a dot in it right and until you learn that in your mind until you accept that then you can kind of break from barriers there's people that are born in Triton that don't ever leave their section Mm -hmm. they don't go from North Triton to South or they don't go even to Princeton which is like they feel like those communities don't belong to them yeah that's not just Trenton either, right. right? That was a maybe less now, but but a, a big thing when I started teaching at Mercer. Mm-hmm. I had students who had never gone to New York because their parents told them, don't go to New York, right? Yeah. Because yeah. they came from a generation where it was more dangerous mm-hmm. to go to New York. And and so that that, that idea, right, that, that you're not just making work for your friends or your aunt and uncle or your family, that you can make work for a bigger audience. Yeah, like I was saying like even thinking about it like a simple 15 minute drive to Princeton right or I mean I remember taking a friend of mine's that I grew up with to Princeton just for dinner and she was shaking the whole time and she kept saying when are we leaving I'm like you Mm. know thinking like you belong here too this is this is just it's just the way we were formatted like we are we get put in a place to survive we get put in a place that we have to like get out of certain situations without even realizing, even if we're in trauma, we don't even realize that we're in trauma. So we're just like stuck there and we don't see anything else. Can't even imagine, can't even imagine. Like before I went to Edinburgh and had my little nervous breakdown on the side of the, over there in the stoop, um, I've already traveled to so many other places and I've gotten to see things that, I went to Vietnam, you know, that's a whole other area too. Like I've gotten to actually see parts of the world and taste their food and whatever and culture and just experience it but Edinburgh was the place that I sat down and I was like man this is it like are you kidding me right now you know you you were told I was told by a teacher which is because I know you guys would never do that (laughs) (laughs) but I was told by a teacher she had met my father who obviously was drunk at the time that he came to get me and she basically said to me, I remember saying something and she goes, you know, you're just going to have to get accustomed to what your life is going to be in a way of like saying, have these expectations because she just assumed because my father was an alcoholic. She assumed uh, maybe she saw the same clothes on me for weeks at a end. I don't know whether or not I was homeless or not. She didn't ask. It was most teachers don't want to ask that information because they don't want to get involved in that yes, process of right, like having right. to then fix it. But I remember when she said that, I I just felt sunk. Like I felt this like heaviness, you know? And 
I, I talk about that now because um, for students who are listening, it's not about what anybody tells you, right? It's not about what teachers tell you, what your parents say, what your parents couldn't do. It's not something that you can't do, like you can do. That makes sense? Absolutely. I'm back and forth. Yeah, um, yeah. So if, if you're based in a community here where it's like you're in a home of trauma, it does not mean that you are not allowed to go to Princeton and have a nice meal and a nice Princeton, like, restaurant does not mean that you can't go into the city or travel the world once you get the idea that trying is just a dot and there's this whole other world out there you your mind the possibilities are incredibly endless especially with through, through arts yeah and, and arts is like here it, take me if like you can't here. right if you can't be a an instructor a faculty member a professor a teacher and be inspiring for people who want to do art, right? And mm-hmm. and and see that as open possibilities, not closed possibilities. That's right. that's really heartbreaking. It's a yeah. really heartbreaking story. So one writing. second. Sure. So uh, someone who's been sitting here quietly, <laughs> Ryan Casey, who uh, listeners will know from other episodes and other discussions about the JKC Gallery. And so Ryan's here. Hi, Ryan. Hi. Hi. How are you? Yeah. So yeah, well, jump in. Well, no, I was just going to say, even if it's not so much about opening possibilities, at least being empathetic. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that's base level. Like the mm-hmm. least you can do as a as a community member or someone who's a teacher or a professor is find empathy mm-hmm. and be able to reach out to people. And yeah. if you can't muster that, that I think you're kind of in the wrong job, mm-hmm. to, to be honest, because that can completely change someone's trajectory, right? Yeah. Uh, it can change someone's possibilities because if someone listens to it, internalizes it, mm-hmm. then what happens from there? Yeah. 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 There, you know, teaching at a, a, a junior college, at a community college, mm-hmm. two-year college, I think one of the biggest lessons I learned was that your students are not formed, right? Mm-hmm. You can't shut them down. You don't know what they're going to do when they transfer into their third year mm-hmm. and fourth year. Yeah. Right? You have yeah. to be you have to be careful yeah. that what you're seeing now it, it's all just potential, right? Mm-hmm. You if you're expecting finished work in your second year of college, you're you're doing it wrong. Exactly. Right? And it, and I'm even going back all the way to middle school, you know, because yeah. there's some talented artists in middle school. I've like I just I got some of my students to record with Josue and he volunteered his time for them to do like a song. And I thought they were just going to be like, oh, blah, blah, blah. You know how kids are. And they, their song was actually so good that I was like, oh, like, wow, this is really good. And they have such talent, right? But their capability or ability to even like understand that it takes so much more work and to keep going because they actually can make a career out of this. Yeah. When you're trying to go home and just survive to see where you're going to eat, who, if your parents are going to be okay, or how you're going to sleep tonight, or whatever happens, you're not thinking about that. You know, that's like the last thing you think. So that's one of the things that I've, I try to talk to them about now, like some of the students, because I, re- I felt that. I, that was me, you know? And I had no idea that art was going to completely change my life or save it. I had no idea at all. And I'm still learning, mm-hmm. right? But the notion that... In the art world, especially for for the people that live in urban communities and people that live um, are fascinated with art and want to become artists, and they kind of don't see an outlet or don't know where to go, it is not just for privileged white people. Like art can be successful for for you as well. It is not taught that way. You do not learn about that until you become an adult. And even so, I know amazing adult artists who won't push their work further out 
due to fear. I've been in art shows where I've gotten asked just because I'm in the show, like, you know, where did you get your MFA or where did you get your degree or what school did you go to? I didn't. I'm actually self-taught. And that's like mind-blowing for them. They just stare at me and they're <laughs> like, what? You know, how'd you get in here with me with the same kind of thing? And it's it's not to bring anybody else down who went to school for art or who's working really hard to get these exhibits or specific shows. It's just a matter of trying to teach also people of color, communities of like that art is just as relevant for us as it is for them and not not to put themselves in a place where they're like, oh, I'm an amazing photographer, but there's absolutely no way I can, I'm not going to submit or be part of this show. It's a, it's a hard, it's hard. It's not easy, but you belong there too. It's about belonging. Yeah. You know? You've said that word belonging quite a bit. And in terms yeah. of like visiting other neighborhoods and visiting other places and that really I remember when I was photographing kids in the Lower East Side in housing projects because they were going to this mm-hmm. school that I was uh, doing PR work for as well. And I was sort of following them around the neighborhoods and photographing their families and everything. And that that was a big deal. They wouldn't go north of 23rd Street mm-hmm. when they were down by Houston because they didn't feel like that was their neighborhood or they'd be mm-hmm. welcome into that neighborhood. Right. Yeah. And then... We put this, yeah, well, even neighborhoods inside of Trenton, they, then they put this big, like, blockage of you're not supposed to, if you're from South Trenton, you can't go into North Trenton, you can't, you know, it's just, a, it's just like kind of almost like a prison mindset. They just, you're keeping yourself in a box rather than explore. And I feel for me, that's what kind of pushed me out. Like, I didn't want to be in this box. I kept, I looked at my, my father, he was an amazing artist right self-taught amazing but he had a really bad mental problem alcoholism and all of that which he didn't succeed but most importantly his biggest flaw is that he didn't believe he belonged in the art world that was he should have been up there with like really serious galleries he was just like there's no way because the language barrier because he painted on plywood because of many reasons and he put himself back and that's what happens with a lot of us here. Like, we, we don't even feel or see that we're, we're supposed to. We actually do belong and have a right to have these successes as everyone else. It's a mindset, you know. So th- once that's changed, then you can absolutely go anywhere and have a nervous breakdown in Edinburgh like I did. Mm. So I guess my question would be, where do you see communities sort of helping with this though is that not just the mindset but what's the next step to that like how do we as as a community encourage that Mm -hmm. because I think that's the other part of it too is not only changing the mindset but also what are the resources available yeah and so in Trenton specifically do you see that there are things happening currently that kind of tie into that yeah I think you know I do have my little things about nonprofits, but I feel like they a lot of programming is out here that are helping the youth because it kind of it starts middle school, high school, right? They're, they're the next ones that are going to take over. And for me, it's really listening. It, like there's there's so many people who don't listen and actually take a point. So if you, if if I have students who want to be rappers, like okay, so instead of telling them no, be a doctor, be you know an educator, or you can't do that. Teach them, teach them. Like, say, you want to be a rap, you have to write this music. 
Try not to use these curse words. See how you're going to do that. How are you going to show that song in the radio because you can't use curse words? And write your story down, you know, and then see about taking them to a studio to actually record it and show them how editing works because it takes hours. We were talking about that, right? And teach them like the steps to actually produce a song, like a real song, an album or a CD. And you'll see either they're like completely in it and like amazed or they're like, okay, this is not for me. Okay, let's find something else. It's a difficult thing. I'm not sure how that would work. I don't know. For me, I call it going rogue. For a lot of like the artists out here, they just go rogue. They grab kids and they just say, you know, we're going to do this, A, B, and C. And, and I've seen that so many times out here with the artists of the community, some of the communities out here. So just go rogue. <laughs> Forget about the stats. <laughs> well, I, I think I'm really interested in what you said, too, where, you know, you're talking about not just giving access to people who are adults or people who are in college, which at that point, they're, mm-hmm. it's still sort of a struggle, but maybe getting to it earlier. Yeah. And so, you know, K through 12 programs and, mm-hmm. you know, especially with arts programs not being very prevalent, mm-hmm. especially in financially strapped districts. That seems to be something Mm -hmm. to kind of talk a little bit about, too, is how do you get students to see a better future if by the time they get to you, um, it's it's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And college is amazing once you're in it, but you're in it, right? You're in college, so you obviously want something, you know, whether you um, go to Mercer or a four-year or two-year, it doesn't matter, art school, you want it, right? So once you get, once students get to that point, they're in it. But when you talk about middle school, and then high school, it's like they, the there there's so much lost communication in there, and there's, if especially if you come from a home of trauma, now you're just trying to survive. Why would you even care about going to school where you can just want to make money quickly, or you follow a pattern? You know, if your parents had kids early, that you just think the norm is to have kids too early, like, and then your your life is just a cycle, right? And it's it's also accepting. There's this like big big ego and I'm just talking on my butt here because I'm not a psychologist I'm not a professional so let's get that clear before <laughs> Dawson gets a bunch of emails like who does she think she is I am none of that I'm just a person with experience and I think that my even for my own experience one of the biggest things my father had a big ego on getting help actually getting help if you brought alcoholics anonymous to him oh i'm not going there that's not for me that's for the white people do you see any spanish people in there you know it was just a it's this big ego of actually accepting the help that you need and like trying to get services that will help you provide it grow right and that's it's not the students but it's mostly the parents and then you they probably went through their trauma so it's this big giant like ripple effect but for me it's i I think that once you teach one person or you can change one person, you've broken a chain and then generations come, are you going to get better and better and better? And that's a really scary thing for a lot of people in society as well. That's a real scary idea for the privilege because now you're just boosting an economy. Well, it's going to happen. Like they actually need things to be bad tokenism for them to get grants or to get things. That's why I'm right, like, right. they need things to fall apart or they won't get the funding and they won't have the jobs to help the communities who are poor and in and, and trauma, you know? So I think, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I already get so much trouble. <laughs> yeah. I don't think so. I'm stop talking. <laughs> 
Well, and I really like the idea too, where, you know, you spoke about your dad and my dad um, is, was exactly the same way, is the sa- exactly yeah. the same way. And I always think about, he uses this term resilience, but almost as like a, a dagger sometimes where, mm. you know, some people have resilience. And I always think if we can redefine that, that resilience is actually getting help. If resilience is seeing things in a different way instead of it being resilience is staying exactly the way you are and the generation before it, the generation mm-hmm. before that too, is sort of redefining that idea where actually helping yourself and helping other people is resilience. Right. Staying the same isn't. Exactly. Staying the same is just yeah. is cycling trauma, is cycling yeah. pain from previous generations. So yeah. I kind of think that that mindset, if we can get to that point, maybe, you mm-hmm. know, we can kind of talk about yeah. it a little bit more efficiently. And, the, and that's hard. And you have to have that one yeah. person in the family who's going to say, okay, this is it. Like we're right. done having these trauma. Like we're going to change things now. And right. Um, that's a lot of pressure on a person in a right, family yeah. that's like constant, you know, traumas. It's, it's a lot of pressure on them. And how do we do that as a community? You know, the best activists that I know in the city are not connected to anything. It's really strange. I know an, I know a lot of amazing activists, artists, and people who do community organizing that are not absolutely or like almost underground. They're not connected to anything, but they, every organization might know their name or know of them. And I think because of the, the idea of, again, once you become some part of something, you have these rules and regulations that you have to follow. Like this like thing becomes more professional that you can't say things or behave a certain way. Or So those people are the biggest key here. They're helping break chains with some of the younger generation are coming up. They're actually telling them, like, okay, so your mom's an addict or your dad's an addict. Do you got to be an addict, too? Or why? You know? And just, like, listening. And sometimes it's a matter of question. Trauma is hard. It's, it's, it can go so many different ways. And no matter what anyone talks about, I can tell you my whole story. And then you'll be sitting there going, wow, you should have been a statistic. Why? doesn't mean I'm, I don't go through depression. It doesn't mean I, I'm always happy. It means, you know, it means that I learned to deal with my feelings and actually talk about them, which a lot of people don't, even adults don't do that now. And in my way, my art is very loud and chaotic and painful because I put it out that way. So you just have to find your outlet to do it. And that's could be anything. It could be writing, yeah. dancing, music, photography. But I, I did want to circle back to talking more about your artwork itself because mm-hmm. you know i look at your photography and i look at your paintings and you know there's a there's a connection a relationship into how you express yourself through the, how you ex- mm-hmm. you make expression through the work and that is there are a lot of layers and there's yeah. a, a lot of the photography tends to be uh have more representation mm-hmm. right and the painting tends to be more abstract yes but there's a there's often a, a, a lot of ways to go in the work there's there's references in the work there's different pieces to the work mm-hmm. there's different ways of of sort of reading your way through the work as well. And I, I just came across a piece on your site where you mentioned Frida Kahlo as sort of yeah. the influence and you've included Frida Kahlo in your in the piece called Libertad. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to think, I'm like, which one was <laughs> right. that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know what? And I think she's like one of the first, I want to say, Latina artists that I got to know because I was so young when I learned about her. And then in time, even now, I'm learning about so many other Afro-Latina artists, and it's is that kind? It's kind of shocking, actually. At the Brooklyn Museum, they had the first 
was while maybe like two years ago they had the first all latina feminist art exhibition right it was like this big thing and i walked into the show and i remember just not just getting chills but getting angry Hmm. and i'm like i didn't know about any of these women are you kidding me like where why are we not learning about any of these people or i mean i was just furious it was like great piece of art fuck you know (laughs) damn it like who's this person why do they do this like it was just so enlightening that one of the things that i do want to do and try and at some point before i decide to leave the city is to open a women's art gallery just based for women of color and have a place where i can help with my resources of things that i've like traveled and help other women artists kind of get themselves out of the city and push forward. And unfortunately, it's not a nonprofit. So it's Mm -hmm. something that I have to raise money for just to rent a little space, just to do all of that. And I'm going to try to work on that as hard as possible because I think it's important. If I can just help as many women as possible have an outlet to where I, some of the things that I got to see or teach them how just to go overseas, which is something I get asked all the time or Mm teach them things like properly like learning how to like ship work or things you know in that matter right which i'm not completely perfect at it too so if kate enters from london (laughs) hears that she'll be like oh tamara like you know i have i have my problems (laughs) perfect you know (laughs) but then the mistakes that i've learned and also just the motivation of having them like exhibit their own work there are a lot of women artists here and they're kind of silent in a way. I'm not saying the male artists are, you know, are like not good here, but there are so many excellent women photographers, designers and artists here. And they're just kind of like in the background, being a mom, being whoever they have to be and not realizing that, you know, art is something that they can have a career on. So I'm hoping that I can motivate that for a few years and then I'm leaving trying. So... Well, and I think it's kind of interesting that you bring that up because with the show that, you know, is going to be happening in the next month or so, it was, I had to dig a lot to mm-hmm. really find artists for the show. And, and I sort of think about that a lot when, when it comes to curating, that if you are curating in order to be able to have a more well-rounded, not only audience, but mm-hmm. also artists presenting, it's it's not like you can't just choose the people that are in your space. Yeah. You have to kind of dig a little bit. And I think that's something that, that we typically mm-hmm. don't talk about because the history is so underrepresented. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and you know, that the show that was at the Brooklyn Museum, I remember seeing that. Mm-hmm. And I'm an art historian. I went, oh, I have to, so much work to do mm-hmm. because I realized that a lot of that was not part of even what I was teaching contemporary mm-hmm. and trying to shift that right. too. But it the fact that it took a show like that for me to be like, what it what is this no one's yeah. ever taught i went through years of grad school and i was never taught this yeah and yeah. and that i think is that sort yeah. of awakening of being like we're doing yeah. this wrong and, and it also yeah. shows you that's another way of telling people there's a whole other world so if you go to spain or Barcelona, they have these afro-latina feminists out there they have like right. they're like taught that in school but here we're not it's not so we don't know we're you're right we're underrepresented here at absolutely even if you're a white woman it's just like you're still struggling in the art world to get to a certain like place you know so i completely understand that part and i think with my art one of the things i'm trying to push forward to is abstract painting which is very new and one of the reasons is because there's not a lot of Latina abstract painters at all. By the way, I love it. 
Yeah. Thank you. I mean, looking at your work, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't have to say it because we're across from each other. <laughs> Take a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> I well, wouldn't. You're fantastic. I didn't have, you're right. I didn't have to say it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I do think it's funny, though, because kind of teaching contemporary and teaching specifically abstract mm-hmm. art um, from 1950s forward, there is a sort of persona of sort of this white dude yeah, making abstract like, art and that's a very specific person making abstract art mm-hmm. and it is very rarely not that yeah. in terms of what we learn not necessarily who's out there making the work and so I think it's kind of interesting to push back on that mm-hmm. it, I think that's a really interesting yeah we'll approach. see what happens you know is it's been really like a lot of people expect me to do political art social art like getting angry type of like art and i'm here popping out with these abstracts like <laughs> look at this and which just can also like, be political right. and social and everything else but yeah. it doesn't have to be right and and they're just kind of like staring at me but i i did meet this like art historian in london and it was really weird and i had this conversation with him and i said how many latina abstract artists do you know in because you're an art historian and he was, he, he literally thought about it for a few minutes and he goes, well, I think before the 1300s or something. Oh my God. And I'm like, what about recent, like right. recent or yeah. anyone? And he's, he literally could not name a person. So I, I like jokingly was like, you're meeting one right now. I'm standing in front of you. Like, I'm going to be that person, you know? And he's like, oh, I, I wish you the best. And I, I hope to to teach you or study like you or something and i was just like unbelievable like there's absolutely couldn't think of anyone there there's somebody that does everything so it's not like a first person or the history is written Mm -hmm. in a very specific way i mean that that, that's actually yeah that's actually how i see it is not so much that there hasn't been artists Mm. but that the history books that we choose to use specifically uh, eliminate that history yes. and you know and I think that's the conversation that we're not having enough of yes. not that where's all the women artists where's all the artists of color not there are we're just not at all yes. teaching them and so I think that that's the sort of that's the reason mm-hmm. why that that gentleman didn't know any yeah. of these because he hasn't ventured outside yeah. of what he learned in the canon right, right? and but the canon isn't gold right the canon mm. is messy and biased and a I got whole chills other, saying that yeah. <laughs> that's true yeah yeah and, but like I think that's the other part of it too is like how do we not only provide spaces now but also go back and go let's get this history better mm-hmm. you know I think people are trying to do that right now but it's it's a hard sell Yale just had that big shift in mm-hmm. their curriculum right it was Yale I think I think so um, and they got so much pushback because they're like we're not going to teach canon the way we have we're going to make it global we're going to make sure that everybody present and I mean people were angry yeah they get really really crazy yeah and it's just like but why like who who cares like if you do a different way like people are still being taught like you're fine yeah everything's fine I've seen people get so angry over art right in a way where I'm just like this is so funny can we get angry about that like that about voting Wait, no, yeah, or, or anything or like, else or like, like violence i mean yeah, I, know, I, right. I feel like can we just get that emotional yeah. and have that much passion about it i There's, think it's good that people get angry over art yeah, and passionate about right. art as well uh but yes no you, you have to have perspective and you know people get angry at art because they're they're interested in certain kinds of representation and they 
they have a belief system, right? Mm-hmm. And you're, and that should translate to voting and everything. And, yeah. and yeah. I mean, I want people to be angry about inequality and angry that mm-hmm. about underrepresentation. Right. Like, don't be angry about keeping the thing that isn't working. Like, that's exactly. that, that's the sort of conversation yeah. I wish right. we had more of. Yeah. Which actually leads me to my question, mm-hmm. uh, which is um, one of the things I really enjoyed about your work, and I think is really interesting, is is that it seems like it's it's both art and activism at the same time. And I thought maybe talking a little bit about that too, because I'm really interested to see how artists use their work to spark conversation. So I, my kids are going to hate, they always hate when I say this always, (laughs) but I have the worst grammar in the world. Anytime I send somebody something, I use Grammarly now, by the way. Shout out to Grammarly, who helps me. (laughs) This is not a sponsor, but they should be. (laughs) Um, I have the worst grammar. And I've always, when things happen in the world or situations happen that I want to, like, write about or post about or something, art has been the only way that I feel like I can literally talk. So for my art and activism in that form, I... Anytime I create it, any kind of art piece I create, even as abstract, is is behind a story, behind something that's of importance that I've I feel I want to share about what's happening in society or personal or just even globally with women or you know just social issues that I know are are going on. I always try to incorporate it in that way where I didn't realize till the other day that someone asked me, "You use the flag a lot, like in your work." In your political work, you always use the American flag. What's that about? I've seen people get angry over that because I either chop it up or do something in it. But I guess it's the idea of living in a country where we have the freedoms to do what we, we want, right? And still feel like we're repressed. So it's kind of, it's like strange, you know? I spoke to someone the other day who told me that coming into this country was probably the hardest thing they had to do because they had to come with no papers, they have to worry about all that stuff. But they he he was looking at me, he goes, But the possibilities of what can happen here. All you have to do is work hard. Right. And you have a house and you'll have like a car. He goes, You you guys get to talk shit about your president and like you get to do that and not be like punished or executed. Like how could this is America's amazing and then I, I also look at it like, well, a lot of people have been brought here not by choice, but also they have been kind of stolen and put here. So then it becomes this whole conversation and, and acceptance. How can you call this a freedom country where you feel fear of being even accepted? You're just thinking, if I keep my head down, I'll work hard. And that's not a way to live. That's not like, that's not the freedom that we're supposed to be given, right? So I think... That's the reason why I always incorporate my the flag. It's kind of like a reminder. And sometimes distressed, the flag. Right. right. And right. it's not... I had absolutely got to say this. Again, I always tell people this. I love my country. I just don't like... It's like, I just don't like who's running it right now. Right. You know? And you... And you might have to say that, and I might not have to say that, right? right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like I have to defend that in a way. You know, I do love my country. I know... What it is to be born here, I know the privilege behind it. You know, we throw away the word privilege around um, and we divide it between like, you know, white privilege. But we also have this privilege of just being here and being able to educate ourselves and do what we can. So it's kind of this twisted thing, you know, like I, it's like having double personalities inside of me, you know, where you want to like fight for this and you want to say no, but you're privileged as well. But at the same time, like, okay, I get it, you know, because... Mm-hmm. 
you're living in a society who needs you to be down. One of the things I've heard from, I won't mention the nonprofit, but I've heard a director and say was empty beds equals no money. And I remember I left that job like the next mm. day. Wait, I was yeah. done. So but that's a reality. That person who was running that Pacific program was not even from the city of Trench, you know, was hired from outside mm-hmm. to come in. There was no loyalty to the city. There was no understanding or communication or anything, you know. And that statement, that statement that she made is, is what happens to the city, you know, is, is what is like defining the city right now. So if you can get kind of rid of that mm-hmm. and go rogue and kind of talk to your, have real conversations with communities and have real conversations on trauma and just break this barrier that you're, you're, you're in trauma, you're in trauma. Oh no, you're in trauma. Like, okay. You know, it was an obstacle that happened. If you put it that way, it was messed up what happened to you in your life was an obstacle now these are all the other steps that we're going to make it better now these are the steps and now you're going to build right that's like but they just keep people in trauma so you never think you never you become a victim and not like a person who says i've i passed that i survived that because I think it is that sort of we've gotten very lax about identifying it. Like, right. here's trauma, but not been like, okay, what's, what's next, next after, after yeah. that, too? And, yeah, I, I think that's that's a little bit of, of what I see both at an academic level, but also just in terms of communities, too, mm-hmm. where, you know, you have this sort of the money to keep people in trauma, but not the money to get people out, out of it. Yeah, And that's... Very disheartening yeah. and, and just, I think, for, for a lot of people, um, really difficult. And before we leave, I'll say real quick, too, that I do give a shout out to everybody that is working in nonprofits. I mean, I've had my personal feelings of things, but does not mean that people that individual people that work in it are not busting their ass to make sure that communities are getting the resources they need. So I Absolutely. do. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. Obviously, you'll find all kinds of uh, business going on. But um I think um, just recently exploring this next show, Ryan, that you're doing, we've met some great people working yeah, nonprofits. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, you know, it's that idea, too, where you want to connect with people who want to get something done, right? right? And not someone who just wants to regurgitate the same thing we've done mm-hmm. previously. And to me... Not just th- trying to fill beds. Yeah. Like, well, well, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, or, like, you know, fill a room. Yeah. I think that's right. the other thing, too, is, is, like, how do we get past that point? Mm. How do you create more mentors? Like, right. th- there's a a lot of really easy things people can do as gateways mm-hmm. but we're not always doing that and that's I think that yeah. the challenge you know to, yeah. to be able to, and I hope the show too is, is that way too where we, we sort of have a space where people can talk about trauma mm-hmm. you know and, and that it's not so interior yeah you know, I, I think about trauma and grief really connected in that there's silence mm-hmm. and it's isolating and keeping people in that means that the trauma continues mm. but by having an outward expression of it by having a space where someone goes that's me i i, mm-hmm. I see me here mm-hmm. and someone else had a chance and did something to get it out mm-hmm. so at least someone's hearing that story yeah. is like the first motivation out of trauma yeah. you know because there's yeah. no way you can get out of it without acknowledging that story right you know? um that's i mean yeah. that's the hope so of it yeah. i don't know when um i don't know if this episode will make it out in time for the show or <laughs> 
with coronavirus, I'm not sure the college will be open for the show. <laughs> so we don't know anything right now. But let's just oh, say, damn it, Corona! This, <laughs> this episode aired and it went swimmingly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So far, everything is on. Everything, everything went fine. So I think we solved all the problems. That no, was no, great. Everything yeah. Was that's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel. That's how I feel when I talk. It's always right. easier said than done. You know, right. every time I talk to people, yeah. they're like, you're always talking shit, but really, what can you do? And I'm like, I don't know. But you are. You are doing it. Yeah. I think you are doing it. Yeah. yeah. You're representing yeah. trending. You're also representing yourself and you're creating yeah. this artwork and creating conversation. It's a lot. You're doing a lot. How old yeah. are your kids? How old? Yeah. Um, my son Eli is twenty-one, and my daughter Ruby is nineteen. Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're really good kids. They yeah. have me as a mom, so <laughs> that's enough punishment for them for like two lifetimes. They made it. <laughs> <laughs> they're not at all into the arts like I am. Yeah, I mean, they're they they like it. They appreciate it now. I think more as adults because they're getting older. But mm-hmm. when they were younger, that was like, like punishment. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I I think that that's the other thing too is you know when you're when I was young my mom used to take me to the Museum of Natural History and the Met all the time and I think about when I have classes because you spoke about Mm -hmm. this before um, I have students have never been to a museum Mm -hmm. have never people who live in Camden County never going over to Philadelphia Mm -hmm. and looking at the museums and thinking like that is something the parents aren't doing. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't understand it because my mom didn't have a lot of money, but she was always like, we're going to go. We're going to go to this museum for yeah. free. And we're going to eat uh, those dirty water hot dogs yeah. outside at the yeah. museum. And it's going to be a cheap day, but we're going to still go to it. But then I have students who are... 30 or even mm-hmm. 40 and say, oh, I've never been to the, I've never been here or any of the museums. And I yeah. think, wow, that is such a privilege that I had that I did yeah. not even realize yeah. Growing and up. even even reading even books because right, there's right. like yeah. the books that they give out to students are now of like people of color or people of women writers like there's actually are there and like i try to give them as much as mm-hmm. possible and they're just like oh who wrote this <laughs> like someone like you that has the same kind of experience so i think those little type of things make such a big difference you know um in cultural and just kind of i think it really depends there's some really amazing schools in Trenton who i've seen um go all out for their students in a way that's like impactful and then there's some schools who are just there to get paychecks and trying to survive and maybe because their surroundings are not perfect and they need all the more resources and more help but the fact is that if we don't gather these schools or administrations to like and just figure out the problem it's going to get worse it's going to be harder to reach out to the youth because Social media, mass media, that's real now. We didn't have that growing up. You know, I had a pager. I didn't even have a Facebook or anything. You know, now it's like everything's more, it's easier to, to be inside of a room and on your computer and feel like you're part of this big world and I actually go outside. And yeah. it's like, that's just, that's more depressing. That's like kind of putting you more in a box. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, how many likes can I get? Like, it's just crazy. Yeah, and the, and the idealism of it that mm-hmm. you're, you're putting, that you're projecting this sort of perfect life. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and I mean, I think there's, it's like twofold though, too, where, you know, I think about that experience of being in a museum, how unique and special it is. You spoke about travel, how travel mm-hmm. changes your perspective too. But I also think about like accessibility, 
when people aren't able to do those things. Exactly. We, we do have other, like we have the, the arts and culture from Google, mm -hmm. which creates like a virtual reality for all these different museums around the world. So there's spaces, but we're not really pushing those either. Yeah, so it's like, even in the digital yeah. space, we can be better about, hey, look at yeah. art and walk through the Louvre, yeah. which is a thing you can do. Yeah. So, but like, we're not even pushing that, that sort of accessibility in social yeah. media either. Yeah. So did we uh, did we miss anything? That anything coming know. up? Anything? That... Right now, I think I'm just working on a new series, and it's kind of be. I went to Puerto Rico, and I kind of was looking at the the museum. In Puerto Rico is amazing in San Juan. Um, it was like five dollars to get in, mm. and it was donation if you wanted to pay. And like the they have sections where it was like old traditional artists, and then like this the new artists from the community, and it was incredibly powerful to look at because it's uh is what we were just talking about and i started to think about my connection with me being an afro latina and wanting to get into abstract and my connection with myself as how i see myself growing up and being raised in this different environment and so i think this new series is going to be more personal and it's going to be kind of based on my roots is it photo and painting or painting or? it's going to be yeah it's going to be both mostly collage and you know abstracts and some photographs i like to get kind of more deep in my roots um, a lot of i didn't know much about my own history until i got older and had to like search for it like look for it and ask family members and like i didn't know my grandmother was taino and my grandfather was like part african who were part of the African slaves that came through Puerto Rico being so like all those things are important and I think that you're talking about youth learning their own history is so so important and even the history of Trenton you know what I mean no one's like brought these conversations to make them feel like Trenton is a good city so it's this constant negative conversation right mm -hmm. so it's like I would like to, this new series is going to be based more on that with me. So it'll be more personal. It's just something to do. I feel like I've been doing a lot of more community activist work mm. this year since it started. And I'm not sure. Hopefully I'll have a show. Yeah. No, I'm sure <laughs> you, you will. you want to give me a show, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can reach me at tamaratorisart at gmail.com. Oh, that's a perfect way to end. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Thank you I'm for having me. I'm sorry for all the hecticness. We, you yeah. might hear it in the uh, episode yeah. uh, that uh, we had to switch rooms because we were in a classroom and a class yeah. showed up, but I didn't, I didn't know the class was still here. It's because I'm so dramatic. I wanted, right. I wanted to do the show in every <laughs> single room that's and right. feel it out. That's all. <laughs> and thank you, Ryan, for uh, sitting in. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. This yeah. is wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> all right, bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. bye.